Welcome to the 73rd episode of the Young Turfs podcast powered by Viner Fourgates. This is your host, Mason Viner, and today we got a full show on the Young Turfs. Wayne Viner will be joining us to talk the Maryland football situation, talk a little bit about the game, then about the future of Maryland football, and about the Maryland-Virginia game on Wednesday. But before we get into all that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turf Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located in Beltsville, Maryland, right next to College Park, and serving the entire DMV. Contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067, or visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. Now for the Terrapin Rundown. And today's rundown will kick off with some words that I love to say, and that is Maryland beat Duke in men's soccer in the Sweet 16. The Terps took down the Blue Devils 2-0 in Durham, and they will now advance to the Elite Eight on Saturday, where they will play the number three-ranked Kentucky Wildcats in Lexington, and that game can be seen on the SEC Network at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Volleyball ended up beating Iowa and losing to Nebraska, and they did sadly really after what's been a great season, did not make the NCAA tournament just outside of the field. That was really disappointing to see. I thought they had it done, especially after they beat Iowa, but it just wasn't enough at the end. And women's basketball won their tournament in San Juan, beating Morgan State 68-44, to and then topping the number 24, Georgia Bulldogs 58-51. to Stephanie Jones led the way against the Bulldogs with 21 points. And that's pretty much it for the non-Revs. I mean, we're down to the end of that fall season. We're going to move into some winter sports. Wrestling has some matches coming up, and some other sports will be starting in College Park soon. We'll make sure to keep you updated with those here on the non-Rev Rundown. And that brings us to Wayne Viner to talk some Maryland football and Terps basketball. And now for his second straight episode joining us, Wayne Viner. Welcome in tonight. Hey, it's great to be here and and talk some Terps. Yeah, let's start off with the football game on Saturday. The season obviously is now over. Maryland ending up five and seven. Uh, a disappointing loss, thirty-eight to three. What'd you say? Well, I was on the field before the game. It was icy and slushy, and I got down there and got some good video and pictures of the guys warming up. And much like our trip to Iowa didn't have an overwhelming sense of readiness there but it's another game that for a few plays one way or the other could have gone Maryland's way a little more I'm not saying they were going to win they had three calls that were somewhat you call overturned uh, upon replay mm-hmm. and I'm sure the replay got them all right but it would have been a different game had those calls gone Maryland's way yeah and I saw um those some of those plays, the Richard, the Richardson one, when I was watching the game from Niagara Falls in Canada, and it just seemed like when Penn State went up 17-3 to that the game had a sense that it was just over. Well, Maryland came back and had a chance to either go for it or kick a field goal the, uh, as it approached halftime. And for a guy that hadn't missed all year, our kicker, Joseph Petrino, Uh, Missed a long one against Ohio State, and he missed one wide right against Penn State. And Matt Canada said after the game, 
he was playing to make that kick, and then you get the ball coming out of halftime, it would have been 17 to six, and you could have gotten it to 17 13 and make a game of it. But it just, well, it certainly went downhill in the second half. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, said, what did I see? One thing I saw I was not impressed with is there probably were 50,000 people there. And you go, oh, that's a nice crowd. Yeah, but the stadium holds a hundred over 100,000. So it was a smallish crowd in Happy Valley. The weather was awful, but that doesn't excuse the way the team played. No, it doesn't, but it's all over now. Season's done. Now, I hear a lot of people that say they like the fact the season's over. It just need to end, but you have a different viewpoint of that. Well, I have a different viewpoint, having been associated with this for about 40-plus years. If you make a bowl, you get a few more weeks of practice. You get a game in late December so the team stays together a little more. So you got one more month of football, pretty much. Uh, Maryland would have played on the 27th at Yankee Stadium. So it's a month and a few days of football. And when you have a young team, one more month of practice is really important. If you look at what happened to Maryland this year, we both said, you and I said, the defense has been off and on good enough to win. And some weeks the offense has been good enough. But overall, you needed some more time to develop Piggy and wherever you want to play behind him, whether it's Tyler DeSue, um, Borton Schlager's out for the year, and Kasim Hill's out. But overall, for this year, I think the quarterbacks are one area that really underperformed. And, you know, another month of practice might not fix all of that, but if Piggy's your guy and you can practice one more month, it can improve your outlook for 2019. Yeah, it definitely could have. And now the main question is because really, well, before we get to the rest of the coaches, what is your opinion of Matt Canada? I personally think he didn't do enough against Penn State to really be a front runner anymore for the job. Boy, his opinions swing around here because after that Ohio State game, everybody said that was the best effort they could have got given. And they were six inches away from winning that game. And that was a miraculous outcome for a team that's been beset by tragedy. And then they didn't really bring it against Penn State. And that game was over. And Maryland wasn't coming back and sort of just wilted at the end. So it's really tough to grade this team because of what happened and all the outside political influences. I think McKinnon did a great job keeping this team together. I'm not really sure he's the next head coach. And to the people I know they're talking about the job, he's not even mentioned anymore. So I'm going to say that uh, no matter what I think, it seems like Maryland's moving on, and they're looking at two guys. One of them you've been on from, from early on, which is Mel Tucker. What's the specs on Mel Tucker? Why would we? Why would you think Maryland's looking at him? Well, if you look at the body of work from Mel Tucker, you're talking about a guy that has a ton of NFL experience as a DC. He's been an interim head coach in the NFL, and then of course what he's done at Georgia is just an A plus recruiter. But every time you know this coaching thing's brought up, there are so many people that are just on Mike Loxley that it's really hard to even talk about someone else. But Mel Tucker. I like him. He's been a great recruiter. He's obviously had that defensive experience in the NFL, but 
Loxley's the guy of the masses, and right now I feel like there's nothing that this administration could use more than to hire a guy that a ton of people like. All right, so before we get on to the Mike Loxley story, uh, Mel Tucker played football at Wisconsin. He's, a, as somebody else said, uh, it might have been Keith, you can't seriously be talking about bringing in another Midwestern defensive coordinator type because the last one didn't work so well. I actually think the last one, which is DJ Durkin, actually did work pretty well. The recruiting has certainly improved. And whoever comes in is going to have a good group of offensive talent. I mean, the wide receivers look really good. The running backs this might be the best group of running backs in the nation. Uh, you got to remember that Maryland, by the time that Penn State game was over, had lost their top four running backs. And they still look good out there. They're still Javon Leak and Fleet Davis. So I'm going to go back, looking back at the year, a couple more accurate throws here and there. We probably win another game or two. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, well, really quick, back to Tucker. He has worked for Michigan State, Miami of Ohio, LSU, Ohio State, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Bears, Alabama, and Georgia. So, there aren't many so resumes, coaching-wise, that will beat that. So you're telling me the guy can't keep a job? That, that's a joke. Sorry. He has the, certainly has the resume. Uh, what have his recruits been like lately? Well, if you look what uh, Georgia has done and him, I don't know if he's the lead lead recruiter, but if you just look at what they have, let's just look at their quarterback position, for example. I mean, they have a five-star that they brought in who is the starter for the most part now, which is Jake Fromm, and then a backup quarterback that was the number one quarterback in the country who also came to Georgia, which is Justin Fields. So right there, I mean, that's a position group that, I mean. Don't they have a quarterback that's not playing for them that's starting for somebody else? Yes, I, I mean, they had Jacob Easton. I don't really know where he is right now, but I'm sure he's playing somewhere else. I think he's going to be the starter for a, a Pac-10 school next year. So they're going to have possibly three guys starting. Uh, they have recruited well. Don't you think it's easier to recruit at Georgia than it would be at Maryland? Obviously. I mean, you were there. There's a 92,000-seat stadium that's filled every Saturday right in the middle of their campus. I mean, it's Georgia. It's an SEC school that puts a huge crowd in, and they've been winning. Kirby Smarts brought yes. that winning attitude there. So, obviously, yes, it's easier to recruit Georgia football than Maryland, but well, they, they you, still have, you still have they to do it. You still have to do it. You still yeah. It's not like recruits are just handed to you. Okay. So, one of the best recruiters that that's around is Mike Loxley. And I was talking to you earlier and said, who in the world has ever hired a guy with a record of three and 31 to be a head coach? And I was talking to Don Marcus about a similar thing. And he said, the closest thing he's got that, that worked out was Belichick who didn't have a great record when the Patriots hired him, but he wasn't three and 31 and nobody's going to mistake Mike Loxley for Bill Belichick. But you said, everybody's on the Loxley bandwagon. Give me a couple of reasons why. 
Well, I just pulled up the um, composite rankings for this incoming class, and Alabama's number one. But they were number one before he got there. Yeah, they were number one when uh, Mel Tucker was there. But Uh Loxley, and you know this, and you know this more than I do because you were around when Loxley was at Maryland the first time. Loxley recruits this area. He does it better than close to anyone. Maybe another guy on the Maryland staff can do it close, which is Azar, the defensive back coach. Mm -hmm. But people think and I don't really know I have talked to some people that say this is true and some people that don't say that this area and a lot of recruits it's going to be hard to recruit for Maryland um the trust is lost with especially the Baltimore coaches with the um Jordan McNair and it's just lost and you need someone that can earn that back and there's no one better to than Mike Loxley I would agree with that there's you know Marty McNair is a big Loxley fan that's Jordan's father uh, I've had lunch with Loxley before, so I actually do know the guy. He brought in some of the greatest names in the recent history of Maryland football, Torrey Smith, Vernon Davis, Sean Merriman. Uh, Lamont Jordan's a big Loxley guy. That was his running backs coach back in 99. Um, if Loxley comes well, here... Oh, go ahead. If you want to continuously um, list the guys that are behind Loxley, I mean, you got... Torrey Smith, Vernon Davis. I mean, these Maryland alums that are prominent, they love Mike Loxley, Jermaine Carter. I mean, the list just goes on and on of guys that have come out and said Loxley's the guy. Well, these aren't just prominent alums. These are football players. I mean, there's a list of just alums, and you know some of them who are in the Redcoat Society or Champions Club or whatever they call that now. And some of the guys you've had on the radio who are pro-Loxley. It's not just players. So the, the general Maryland question is, how are you going to screw this up? How are you going to manage to not hire him? Um, the only thing that comes to mind, it's public knowledge at this point, is Locks and Damon Evans had a bit of a falling out when Locks was leaving, and hopefully they can overcome that. If Damon Evans decides to go more to his roots, which is the Georgia side, You've said before Mel Tucker would be a fine choice, even though a lot of people don't know him. From what you know, does it really matter to you which top recruiter Maryland gets? Yes. I mean, we're talking about the guy that is trusted with, I'm going to put it the way that a lot of people say it, that aren't necessarily all over Maryland, to save the program. Maryland played Ohio State a top 10 team with a huge, massive alumni base in this area. And there were 39,000 fans there. Now, if that doesn't say that this program is has issues, then I don't know what does. Because you look at teams like uh, Purdue, Northwestern. I mean, whether they'll be road fans or not, they are fans at those games against top 10 teams, and there are a lot of them. Well, in our SEC trip, from now two weeks ago. We went to Georgia, generally puts, if it's not 92, it's 88,000 people in there. We went to South Carolina that manages to fill the place fairly regularly. And we went to what people, some people call the best fan base in the country, especially considering their record, which is Tennessee. So there's other schools out there that fill the building 
we've managed to lose the students, most of the alumni, and probably 25% of the season ticket holders over the past few years. And I know that you and I have nothing to do with this, so I throw that we out there generally because this is considered as our team. I'm not really sure what to do about it. Well, hiring Mike Loxley might be a step in the right direction. So, yes, the program's failing and they're losing the base. I wouldn't be surprised if the base of fans, when you talk about real fans, probably down around 15,000 people, which is when you have hundreds of thousands of alumni in this area and you can't get a season ticket base over 20,000, you got a problem. Yeah. And we have that problem right now. So, yeah, if you hire Loxley at 3 and 31 and it doesn't work, so, I mean, there's not much so, to lose here in that case. I'll give you a question back, and really quickly, no, Northwestern does not sell a lot of tickets. It's when they play, when they are good or decent and they play a big school, they tend to put some people in the seats, more so than Maryland. But Right now, yeah. If Mike Loxie comes here and it doesn't work, like in the way that they don't win games, but they get a lot of talent in that time. Don't you set up something where another coach, if you get a real football guy, could come in and win right away? Well, that's the Vanderlinden method. Or maybe it's the Durkin method. But I'm going to go with yes. I think it's worth whatever chance you think you're taking. If you don't bring in Loxley, there's a possibility a lot of these kids are going to walk out. Now, maybe a Mel Tucker come in and give them an Alabama-Georgia speech and get the kids who are here to say, okay, I'm going to give this guy a shot. I think if you bring in Loxley, you automatically get a shot. I think if you bring Loxley in, you might keep Beatty. Maybe he's your OC. Ozar, Abdurrahim might end up being your DC. I like Chuck Heater. Um, Andy Boo's certainly gone. Steinspring, offensive line, gone. I'm not sure about Brumbaugh, who's the defensive line. He might stay. You can go through the – I'm sure this doesn't interest many people. You can go through the entire staff and figure that there's a group of them that if you got Loxley would stay here. Uh, last year, five guys turned over on the staff. If you keep your turnover to four or five out of the – I think there's ten guys on staff, that'd be fine. It's just a chance to take the talent that Durkin brought in and mm-hmm. try and win with it. I now, agree, and I think it can right win. Um, really quickly on the Loxley conversation, uh, 24-7 always has something where you have a coaches or recruiters, top recruits, and almost four of the um, – or five of the – no, four of the five guys here are from the DMV. Okay. Well. So you're looking at a guy and – Two of them are from Baltimore. So you're looking at a guy that can recruit this area. Well, let and, me bring up one more recruit. Well, really quickly, really quickly. Maryland has lost now to two quarterbacks back-to-back, Trace McSorley and Dwayne Haskins, that are from this area. And people love to point that out and then immediately say Mike Loxley could have gotten one of those guys or two of them. Even both of them he could have possibly gotten. There is something to say that Maryland has to be able to recruit this area, and I know we've already said there's no better guy than Mike Loxley. No better guy. And if Mike comes and Jalen Hurts doesn't think he's going to play in Alabama, 
you got Mike Loxley and maybe in some stretch of the imagination, you have Jalen Hurts come in here and he would play immediately. So, yeah. so you got that. So you wanted to talk basketball. Yeah, we love to get carried away talking football. Um, yeah, but basketball is now the main event at Maryland, and they have one of those big main event games coming up. But before we talk about Maryland's ga- upcoming game against Virginia, this podcast is also brought to you by Maryland Eurocars. When you're looking for someone to work on your European car, look no further than MD Eurocars. We have a few Audis in the family and some BMWs at the office, and we take our cars to Christian at Maryland Eurocars. Christian and his team know their way around Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys, VWs, and many more makes always friendly, honest, courteous, along with being an extra clean shop. Maryland Eurocars is the best place to take your prized automobile, and they are the most reasonably priced shop in town. Located in Rockville, you can reach Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831. Ask for Christian at 301-217-5831 and tell them that the Young Terps sent you. Maryland, Virginia on Wednesday night. It's always great to have a top 10 team coming into Xfinity Center. I've always looked at this as one of the better parties in town when you get a top 10 team. Maryland now ranked 24th. You could rank them a little higher. They are undefeated. Turgeon's going to tell you if you ask him, don't expect that much. Five of the eight guys in the rotation are freshmen. And that is true, but I've got, before we actually get to the game, one of the best things about Xfinity Center and a top 10 opponent, if you have an autofocus camera and you sit and press row when all the noise comes down on you, it is so loud often that your camera won't focus. And I think that's really cool. It's just shaking too much. Mason, the freshmen look really good. Who's your favorite freshman from Maryland right now? Oof. I don't know, because I always feel like between Bruce, you, and I, we always get territorial with which um, newcomers are our favorites, but there's no other way to put it. We all know that Bruce's favorite is Sticks, Jalen Smith. I am going to have to um, piggyback on yours, Eric Ayella. I just, he's a basketball player. There's really no other way to put it. That man just, he plays basketball, and I just love guys that can do that. I love the fact that it's competitive between who we pick as our favorite. It, it gets a little weird, but you're right. There are favorites down there. Look, right now, Eric Ayala is, he reminds me of a guard that played for Illinois. Uh, I think they got to the final four with him. Deron Williams, he went on to a big career with the Nets. He was good in the NBA for a while. It's a wide body point guard. And right now, uh, if you talk to the opposing coaches, which we often do on the way out of the building, you hear them say, well, we decided to leave Eric Ayala open, hoping he couldn't make it to make the long shots, and we doubled the post. And lately, Eric Ayala has been lights out. Uh, I call him the X factor because I think Virginia's going to end up doing the same thing with their pack line zone because they're going to pack it down and make somebody else beat them. And that somebody else has been Eric Ayala. So, another question, and, you know, I know that, um, what was it, Friday night? Yes, Marshall, Friday night. Was about as well scoring as you can do in a college basketball game. What was it, 104? 104. 104.67. So, 
Now, against Virginia, Cowan's going to have to make – all your guards are going to have to make their shots, correct? Well, they're going to have to make their shots. I don't think Cowan's game, his average distance on those scores, it's like two feet. He was laying them in. Bruno Fernando had one jump shot and five dunks. His average was like one foot. You take the total distance of all the shots divided by the makes. Against Virginia, they're going to pack it down and make you hit those shots outside. And that's been the question mark. Uh, maybe Virginia's going to change this up and put somebody on Ayala and have Daryl Morsell be the guy left open and see if he can make him in a real game. Or Wiggins. This is the first time that's the bright lights big city for all of these freshmen. They know they're going to be on a national televised game. And we'll see if it changes the way they approach it. I don't know if Maryland can shoot any better than they did against Marshall. So can you do it two nights in a row? And that's the question. Virginia is always, always going to be one of those teams where you kind of throughout the game figure out your mental toughness because the way they just limit you, that's pretty much their game. They limit you. You don't get that many touches with the ball. You don't get great shots. And when you have big opportunities, you have to strike, and those shots have to go in or you will lose to – Virginia, because that's just the way they play, and that's somewhat of the reason why they don't do so well when it comes down to March, but in the regular season, they're just one of those teams that just grinds you down, beats you up. Well, they don't do well if you get them to trail. They're not built to come back. It's like playing an option football team. If they can run the ball, they're going to beat you. If Virginia can slow the game down, and in this case, walk the ball around, they're going to beat you. So Maryland does have 10 guys who can play, maybe even 11. And if it was a different coach, and it may even work for this coach, you would come out there and say, I'm going to speed up this game. If everybody on my team fouls out, we are going to press you to speed this up. Maryland could do it. That'd be your big surprise move, is to come out and dictate the tempo, just like that video says they play with eight minutes to go, we decide the tempo of the game. Well, Maryland has a shot with they got enough guards on that bench to come out and press. You think Turgeon would do something that uh, drastic? There was a time where I would say no way, and I feel like this year things have just been a little bit different. He, Mark Turgeon, being he, wants to try things with these guys. He thinks that they can do more than, I believe, any team that he's had in the past, despite that it's not really the best talent-wise team. It might be the best, like, together team, but not talent-wise. But he really likes what he has with these guys. I know he always says that, but this year he just seems like it's true. I think they like each other, which I think is hard to manufacture. I'll, I'll make you one of those a side bet that, Three years from now, there will be more players on this team in the NBA than, and I'm even talking who played like two games and then went D-League, so Diamond Stone counts, some of these other guys. Hey, Diamond Stone's back in the D-League as of today, can't. All right. But I'm saying that that sort of counts, even if you played a couple games. There are more guys on this team that will play in the NBA, play one game in the NBA, than he's had on any other team that he's had. Completely agree. Sticks. So when you say it's not the best talent team, might not be today, but three years from now, you go, wow, they had sticks. He made it. They had Bruno Fernando. He made it. That guard that nobody knew where he came from, Ayala made it. 
And then you get the pick from Marcel Wiggins. Maybe Ricky Lindo is going to blossom. I don't know. But I think you're going to end up with three or four guys. When you get to four NBA players on one team, now you start talking about Sweet 16 and more because that's a rare thing to have. And I think if we can get two forward centers and two guards to that level, you know, you probably can get to the final eight, maybe the final four. But they got to play like they're in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, that's a bold statement, but I can see they, it happening. If they play NBA level, if they play like they did against Marshall, now, you know, you can always, as Bruce says, you can't get on them for being as bad as they look on one night and then get on for being as great as they look the other night. But, geez, the talent's there. And it's it's spread out enough. It's that we don't have five guards and no centers or five centers and no guards. We might be a little forward light for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But if, if these guards can get to the basket, they're going to foul out a lot of guys and even the playing field. All right. So, so, so that's – well. I had a question for you, and so it's a blackout. Do you like that? I didn't even know that. Well, it's a blackout, so there you go. Let's see. That's why I was done with the questions. I don't even know that. I I don't know how I missed that, but I've been on the road a bit. Wow, it's a blackout. Um, No, I I think we don't do those well. Uh, Maryland and the, the color games and all that. I know when they distribute the T-shirts to the students, so, you know, that works really well for the wall. But for the rest of the people, the only thing that I've ever seen work is the whiteout. The gold out worked once, but that was against Duke. and Everybody but, had notice of that one. Really? There was a game where everyone wore gold. Well, enough people. No, nobody really. No. Okay. You're right. You're right. They, yeah, no but, one possesses, yeah. like, gold Maryland gear. So that's why you have a gold Maryland shirt somewhere. Well, <laughs> I do. For the I do, but I have a ton of Maryland things. The average Maryland fan, gold just it just doesn't look good on people. Well, what's it look good on? Well, it looks good on – actually, I, I'm going to change that. It doesn't even look good on the Maryland players. I, I do not, I'm not a big fan of the new gold uniform. Oh. No, I like the old ones, the Gravis and Steve Blake, not Gra- Blake, uh, Eric Hayes and Gravis in that year. I, I really like those gold uniforms, and, and Gary saved those for, for conference games. So if they have a purpose, they're okay. In fact, I remember the first day they came up with the gold uniforms. It was the ACC tournament, and it was an Albert King team, and Lefty tried something different. And I think we beat Duke wearing gold, and then we warm against Carolina to it was at the Cap Center, and I think we lost sixty-three, sixty-one. But uh, okay, geez, that's too long ago to talk about. So <laughs> well, I have later. a weird story for you. Okay, Maryland's losing in two thousand ten in the ACC tournament to Derek Favors in Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. and they're wearing white. And you say, "I hope they go in at halftime and change to the gold uniforms." Maybe I said that. What happened next? They lost, and they did not change into the gold uniform. So maybe they, they should have. Sh- they but... should have. Ch- See, I know what I was talking about. So Yeah, they, they play. Uh, for me, the gold uniforms and winning basketball really went together. But uh, you know, times are different now, and they wore the gold uniforms. Not last night, but the, the game before. Against Mount St. Mary's. 
That's it against Mount St. Mary's. So we'll see what we have. I just hope it was, it's, it's funny to play Virginia because they want to slow it down. And once again, first team to 60 wins, which is so much of a big 10 thing. I would have loved to seen them play somebody who wanted to go out and hit the gas pedal mm-hmm. because this Maryland so, team with the gas pedal could get to a hundred. Is it odd to you last question that, there are still tickets available when Maryland is ranked and they're playing against the top 10 team. Not anymore. It does. They just don't sell like they used to. I don't know if people have lost interest in going to games. I sit here in front of a giant uh, Samsung television going, if I had, if I didn't cover the team or I haven't bought season tickets, I've had season tickets for God knows how long, so I'm going to go. But if if I wasn't a season ticket holder and I could stay home and watch it in front of my you know, new big screen, maybe I'd do that. If the Redskins don't sell tickets, you know, the Ravens even have empty seats, and they, they've got this new, new star quarterback, of course, Maryland football. The only team that I think really sells tickets around here day in and day out is the Caps, and they just won the Stanley Cup. All right, so there's been a lot of hype around your new television. Does it live up to it? You know, it showed up the other day. I know it's been all over Terrapin Times um, so far, but I'm waiting to watch a game with you. I just got to find a game that we won. So, uh, yeah, it lives up to it. it. It actually is really nice, and then that means that the PlayStation television is now a 55-inch curved Samsung. So that's really nice for the PlayStation folks in the house. So, yeah, it'll work out. Everybody will be happy. Well, that sounds good. I've not seen it yet, so waiting to oh, see that. Will. 70, like, I'm thinking about an average living room in 75 inches, and this is the last thing that we'll say about that. Is that just, like, where the world's going now that, like, your whole living room can almost be covered by a television? Well, this is a big room, so, yeah. This TV is about as big as the scoreboard on top of Gossip. And th- and this one works, so that's good. All right. That's the end of my Gossip and TV jokes for Maryland. By the way, if everything goes well, folks, you'll have a new giant big screen on top of Gossip for the 2019 football season. So if you haven't heard that before, you heard it here first on the Young Turks. You know, I, I really can't wait for that. Like The Gossip... Both of the video boards, now we're starting video board chat here on the podcast, they're just bad. They just, it's not that they um, are both outdated and old. That's part of it. The fact that they don't work, there are dead spots on both of them, they go out during the games, that is what is actually embarrassing as a Maryland fan. Okay, but you know that I found out mid-season before it was announced that the reason they weren't fixing was they were going to get a new one. So that, that now made sense to me. We just weren't supposed to go public with that. Now that the season's over, there's a real push to finish the tunnel to coal and replace the uh, scoreboard on top of Gossip with a one about five times the size of the one they have, which will put them you know, in good stead. Uh, just like everybody else has a giant scoreboard like that. Now, people have asked why... Uh, the ones in the Xfinity Center new and the ones at the football stadium so old. Maryland entered into a deal with CBS Interactive around selling the ads on those scoreboards a few years ago, and CBS Interactive put up a lot of the money for the Xfinity Center scoreboards. 
So it really wasn't Maryland money. It was ad share. And uh, they don't really do that for football because of the usage, how many times it's used. So Damon came on, and I believe you asked him. uh, This was on the Turf Talk radio show. You asked him, what's he going to do? And what did he tell you the week he was hired? Well, I don't remember. It was somewhere along the lines of, the first thing that I will do is make a move to replace the Gossett scoreboard because I just don't like looking at it or something like that. Something like that. And he's going to, I think he's going to make good on that promise. So uh, there, there's Mason asking the right question of the right guy at the right time and getting the right answer. Now, let's see if they follow through on that. And before we wrap it up, do you have a prediction for the game on Wednesday? Uh, all my predictions have been wrong. But I think Maryland does manage to speed it up. Uh, but I'm going to go 71-67 UVA over our Turks. And I will go with similar because Maryland has not had – has Maryland won an ACC Big Ten Challenge game since joining the Big Ten? I don't think so. I think they lost to Pitt. I think they lost to Virginia. I think they lost to North Carolina. I'm trying to come up. There's one more. That's not they lost to Syracuse last year. Yep. So, no. No, they have not. Big Ten hasn't done well in those. But, you know, maybe this year. I don't know how they gave us Virginia. I would have liked to have gotten somebody who, who plays a little faster. But, hey, we'll take it. Their games we got to win, and our team will be better for playing Virginia. Yes, they will, and I'm gonna take. I'm gonna also take UVA. I'll take them 57 to 49. Wow! So, and that is uh, a lot less than a football score that we saw from the other night between LSU and Texas A&M. But yeah, that's the way the world works. Wayne, before you go, tell us about Viner Four Gates. Viner Four Gates is the place to go if you want a new website for your business. And if you want a point of sale system for your retail and or e-commerce store, uh, we excel at both. You can get MCR software and hardware, Lenovo software, hardware from Viner Four Gates, and the websites are fantastic. If you like the Turp Talk website, if you like CapitalSportsBlog.com, home of the young Turps, if you like the look of those websites, Please give us a call. We can do the same thing for you. You can reach Viner Four Gates at 301 251 2900. That's 301 251 2900. Or on the web at oneviner.com. That's the numeral one, V I E, and is the November ER.com. We would like to also thank our other sponsors on the podcast Ally Party Rentals, your one stop place for all your party rental needs, dance floor speakers. Utensils, they got it all at Allied Party Rentals. You can reach them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And, Wayne, I'm sure you knew that, know this because I love to bother you with it. When we go somewhere, I always look at the reviews, and the reviews of Maryland Eurocars are great. Five stars on Yelp, five stars on Google Reviews. They're still rolling all the five-star reviews. I actually check them every week, and every week more and more five stars for Christian at Maryland Eurocars. They service Audis, BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys. And you could reach them on the phone at 301-217-5831. That is Christian at Maryland Eurocars at 301-217-5831.
Wayne, we thank you for coming on the podcast for your second week in a row. Hey, thanks for having me on here. Love talking turfs with you guys. And uh, we will see you from the Florida Xfinity Center after the Maryland game. And you're going to hear Mason, who is hosting the big show. He's hosting Turf Talk on 1300 CBS Sports Radio Wednesday at 6. You can listen to that on the Listen Live app on turftalk.com and we will post that show you can listen to it uh, off the website and once again we'll be on the post game show and you can watch that on turftalk.com as well thanks for having me thanks for coming on and yeah i'm really excited another big step for me hosting the radio show make sure to listen to that at six on wednesday or you can always catch up on all the old turf talk and sports maven and in the nest shows on our youtube page wayne turp that's it for this podcast. Go Terps, beat Virginia. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Intern Mason. And as always, thanks for listening.